In our 72nd year of serving Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. WATH Well, it looks like it rained overnight. I I must have fallen asleep or something. I didn't even know that had taken a place until waking up this morning. Hey, it's our monthly visit with the mayor of the city of Athens, Steve Patterson. Right here on the party line. We'll get caught up to date on the projects. Seventy-four degrees here on Columbus Road, headed up to eighty-six. And let me add that the next mention of rain is on Monday, and they say possibly thunderstorms. So anyway, Steve Patterson, good morning. Good morning, Dave. Welcome. Thank you. How are you? All right. I mean, you know, adjusting. Adjusting. Yeah. Um, the um, city's got uh, has been acknowledged in several different ways. Like, did I hear there was a story in the New York Times? There was, there was. <clears throat> yeah, Athens recently had an article. It wasn't just Athens. It was an article on. Um, federal climate fighting tools uh, that have been taken away and then cities and states that are stepping up. Um, so there's several notables in here. There's, uh, you know, Minnesota's listed in here or, or cited in here, uh, as is to Ohio cities or the city in a village. It was um, Yellow Springs and Athens. And Athens. Two, two of my most interesting cities, <laughs> right. I think, in Ohio. <laughs> I think so, too. Although I will say this in full disclosure, I've never been to Yellow Springs. You You're know, kidding. I, no. Oh, you've got to. I know. I hear that. You know, I, 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 it's interesting when I hear people say, from, people from Ohio say, you know, I've not been up to Wooster. Oh. Uh, and I've been to Wooster a couple times. And Wooster, Wooster is like. The deepest thing in my family. Is that right? Yes. Uh, you my grandfather was the president of the college. Really? The, all sorts of Worcester uh, family stuff on my mother's side. It's So would you agree that it's a really interesting... Oh, my, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, the times that I've been there, the architecture downtown, the... I don't know. It's just a great great place but no yeah like i said i've never been to yellow springs it's, it, maybe it's on my summer bucket list um to go there and check it out it is so it's weird cool <laughs> yeah and i don't know how to say it any better uh, all right but um and of course um oh shucks uh, the name of the school there antioch oh yeah antioch oh yeah <laughs> now you're i was thinking wooster no wooster um, but anyway, the city of Athens, uh, I was interviewed by the reporter and, uh, from, she the, wanted, from the New York Times, from the New York Times. Yeah. Uh, Maggie Astor. And she wanted to know more about the 
carbon fee that uh, the city had a ballot initiative back in 2018. And she was intrigued by the fact that it passed by 76% for mm -hmm. the citizens of Athens to pay an extra two cents per kilowatt hour. And, and uh, the fact that it brings in you know, a decent amount of revenue, and that revenue has to go towards solar on municipal buildings. Uh, so it becomes part of the city's uh, solar efforts, if you will, to reduce our carbon emissions. So anyway, yeah, we made the New York Times, which was kind of cool. Uh, another thing. You, weren't you in the Ohio Magazine as well? We are. Um, well, we will be. Let me rephrase okay, that. Okay, so what's that one about? Well, there's a, a magazine called the Ohio Magazine, um, and they have a selection process by which they select five best hometowns in uh, the state of Ohio. And so we were just notified that we will be in the 2022-2023 edition. Um, and uh, Scott just handed me the Ohio Magazine. This is, what edition is this? The this most last recent month. one? Oh, yeah, June. So yeah. this was, what, what they do is they publish something in the October, November time frame, and then they publish again in the June, July time frame. And uh, this year, or wait, this wait coming... Wait a minute, are you saying they only publish twice a year? That's what I understand. I thought it was more of a monthly. But anyway, okay, so whatever it is. Yeah, yeah whatever the time yeah. frame is for this. So uh, Athens got in, along with uh, Bell Fountain, Kent, Perrysburg, uh, Perrysburg, yep, and uh, Versailles. Huh. So uh, that'll be pretty cool. I, again... Had an interview by one of the editors there and wanted to hear more about Athens. Um, that individual came down to Athens. They're an alum. They graduated 10 years ago. And uh, uh, what is that? Published monthly. Oh, it is monthly. Oh, my bad. So, okay. <laughs> so I was right. You were right. Okay. Dave, you're a thinker. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, not a, not you know, a good Scott thing. and I are here. I'm trying to read this micro print about this, yeah. this uh, the Ohio magazine. Anyway, um, where was I, Dave? Uh, um, completely lost. Well, a, a reporter came in that oh, was an alum. Yeah, alum of OU. Graduated 10 years ago and had not been back to Athens since graduating from OU. Came down, this was uh, pre brew week, as I understand it. And, and I didn't know that that this individual is down here. And then she contacted me afterwards wanting to do an interview. And before the interview started, she mentioned, you know, I was just in Athens. I graduated 10 years ago and came back. She said, you know, the city has really changed in such a positive way. She went down to the Richland Avenue pedestrian passageway. Um, you know, that the passageway that deconflicts Richland Avenue from yeah. the West Green and Baker Center and whatnot. Um, she drove up Stimson Avenue she checked out uh, Little Fish, which may not have existed when she was here before. She Let's see, 10 years ago. Yeah, I think it did. Was it around 10 years ago? I think. Maybe it was, yeah, well, whatever. Anyway. Pretty new. Um, new thing. But she said, you know, the city is, number one, she said it really looks great. And she said the, the positive change, um, she went to Jackie O's tap room, and uh, it was good. So anyway. Um, we were just recently selected to be in the magazine for the October, November issue, and then 
again will show up in the June-July edition. You know, my granddaughter is working for the Pittsburgh Press this summer. Hmm. And nice. her, her assignment is to do reviews of every entertainment sort of thing going on in Pittsburgh this summer. And uh, just just uh, 30 minutes ago, I came across one of her most recent articles. And the Pittsburgh Press is a big newspaper, folks. Yeah. Um, and, of course, Pittsburgh's a big city. <laughs> it's a big city. And so they got lots of things, and she's just doing terrifically now. She's, she's an OU um, current student. This is her summer gig, right? And uh, she'll be back to school this fall. Julia Julia Weber. Nice. You know, I lived in Pittsburgh for two and a half years. Really? Um, I did. Um, after what, what were you doing there? Well, once I received my PhD in two thousand or in two thousand in uh, nineteen ninety three, mm-hmm. um, I ended up taking a postdoctoral fellowship at the. At the University of Pittsburgh, uh, at the med school, and worked at Presbyterian, uh, the uh, UPMC University Presbyterian Hospital System, yes. um, in Pittsburgh, and uh, lived over on the south side. and And so, for a summer assignment of putting together all the activities throughout Pittsburgh, I mean, that's that's a massive undertaking. Oh yes, and you know, she's just moving around town like crazy. I bet. And and let me ask you something. Sure. Um, That's the first time I've heard you mentioned, uh, I guess, your degree. Your degree was in what? In health psychology. Okay. So if you were not politically inclined, (laughs) if you had not chosen to run for public office and been elected, what is your profession? Um, a- academic professor, you know, teaching at OU is what I was doing before walking away from tenure as an associate professor in the psych department. Um, so are you a counselor? No. No, um, I was on the research side of that field. Uh, I was not a clinician. Really never had a desire to be uh, a clinical health psychologist um you know i've got many friends that are uh, but i was more on the research side of things and and teaching you know i taught like i said at ou mm-hmm. for for um 18, well, I, I, 18 I, years i guess i just didn't know yeah and you know um my wife and i were getting a little bit of counseling uh, the last couple of years and and then um since her passing i've been continuing with uh, mary and she has been so helpful. Mm. And I tell you, these there's nothing to be ashamed about, folks, in getting uh, professional guidance. No. You know? That's right. Um, it is so helpful. It can be uplifting, uh, particularly during down times. Um I don't know. I just threw that in there. No, that's good, Dave. I mean, there's. I don't know if 
if you've seen, I've noticed a couple commercials on TV. One of them is an individual skydiving and two people skydiving. And the guy goes to pull his ripcord and have the parachute come out and it doesn't come out. And he's just like, oh, well, you know, that's the way it goes. And the other person is sitting there trying to reach out to help this individual. And the individual, you know, doesn't want help. And there's another one that I've noticed where it's an individual in a weight room lifting weights and is bench pressing and has this massive amount of weight and it comes down on his chest and another guy rushes over to help him and, yeah. you know, can I help you? And the guy's like, he goes, no, I don't need any help. And he, he goes, you know, something. And the guy goes, no, you don't know my family or something to that effect. And it's, both of them are about, you know, it's okay to seek help, you know, professional help. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm blessed in that uh, I'm married to a rehabilitation counselor. Oh, Connie's that? Yeah, Connie got her her counseling degree. Uh, well, she got her bachelor's from OU uh, in, the, in psychology, and then she went on to Illinois Institute of Technology into their rehabilitation counseling program there, um, got her master's degree, and then came back to Athens to get her Ph.D. in in uh, counselor education so yeah wonderful yeah well we're just slightly off the top <laughs> a little but, bit that's okay um so ohio magazine is going to recognize athens as well as the new york times and others that's kind of cool and uh, my guess is we'll we'll have some other reviews as well let's hope good let me let me really change the topic here a bit so, yesterday I heard about a local gas station. Well, by local, I mean nearby, not right in town. That's selling gas, uh, I was told, at 4.20 a gallon. And uh, I actually went out there yesterday, and it was 4.70. But still, you know, 30 cents less than um, everybody in town, it seems like. And and as a mayor, um, what's your impression of all of that? You know, I, well, <laughs> I let me let me kind of frame this. Do it any in, way you want. In a long roundabout way. So yesterday, I spent seven hours on the road. I had a meeting up in Solon, Ohio, because um, I sit on the Northeast Ohio Public Energy Council board, yep. uh, and they're headquarters out of Solon, Ohio. Anyway, so I stopped in, uh, had to get fuel up because it's a long drive, and I fueled up in in um, Caldwell, mm-hmm. right off 77. Mm-hmm. And my mouth dropped, Dave. It was $3.98 a gallon there. A whole buck less. A, a buck less. And, uh, you know, I've been tracking here in Athens to where it was four ninety nine. seemed like for for weeks not moving you know it was up in the fives five dollars and something and then it dropped down to 4.99 and so i started you know trying to educate myself as to why is the price so different from place to place Mm -hmm. and you know there's a sundry of reasons um but you know the thing that really annoys me is that that uh here in athens all the the gas stations kind of watch each other and mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of like playing chicken well who's going to drop first or who's going up if you're going up we're going up 
you know, and so I spoke with the owner of Pete's BP. Um, that's what I call it. It's the gas station that sits at the the intersection of Pomeroy Road and Richland oh, Avenue. Okay. Down on the South Y. Yep. And uh, just, again, wanted to find out why, how, how are the prices set and so on and so forth. Uh, and what can be done to get people to reduce it? Well, that store, that that gas station dropped to from four ninety nine to four seventy nine um, Monday of this week, um, and the owner contacted me. Um, to which, you know, I started trying to call Speedway's, you know, public relations office, corporate. Um, I'm looking at my phone. I've got five or six calls placed to public relations at Kroger. Um, and the one with Kroger, what really annoys me, and just sharing with the listening audience, is um, five times calling um, and still no response back from their public relations person. Um, so I was, I'm just going to continue to fill their voicemail box until someone finally gets back to me. Because each of your messages indicated you were the mayor. Of absolutely, the yeah, yeah. yeah, mayor of Athens. I want to, you know, talk to you about your gas pricing in the city of Athens. When I see Kroger up in, in, uh, you know, up in the Columbus area, you know, up 77 to where the prices are are lower, and in some cases much lower, you know. What the heck? You know, mm-hmm. what's, what's going on here? So I will, and I know that we have a lot of upset citizens, and I don't blame them. Um, I've heard of the one that you're talking about. It's up 550 I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had heard it was in the $4.20 range. and But yesterday was 470 470 it jumped up. Um, that's too bad. Uh, but um, anyway, the, the point is uh, it's not 499 and um well it shouldn't be 399 you know the, you know i hope our local business people can wake up yeah okay yeah. um hey i have i have a something i want to push out real quick dave push it okay i am going to push it so <laughs> i don't i don't know how many people are kind of tracking this but recently Governor DeWine and Lieutenant Governor Husted, um, through the Governor's Office of Appalachia and the Director um, John Kerry, um, have put almost well. They've put half a billion dollars. They put five hundred million um, that will be dedicated to Appalachian counties. So the thirty-two Appalachian counties in the state of Ohio for things like downtown revitalization, um, recreation, and tourism education, um, uh, addiction services, mm-hmm. uh, and then there's an, uh, some other bucket in there. Oh, broadband is in there as well. So some big general areas. And, uh, you know, the, we're still waiting for the Development Office of, Apple, of Ohio to come out with the guidelines for how we apply for this money. But, um, you know, Kind of doing the the simple math behind this, you know. There's uh, I often think about the 18 counties that make up the mayor's partnership for progress. You know, there is no allocation formula for this. It's going to be people applying for this money when it is available. Um, but 
Pro- know, for the, project by project. Right, but what they're looking for is regional projects. They're not necessarily looking for one-offs in a city or something. Yeah, they're yeah. they're looking for communities throughout the region to kind of partner on revitalizing your downtown or or doing these these various things, tourism, trails, whatever. And uh, but you know, for the eighteen Appalachian counties within the mayor's partnership footprint, you know that's about uh, if there was an allocation formula, it would be about. $258 million going to those those counties. So uh, the reason I'm bringing this up is I would really like to hear ideas from uh, the community in sure. terms of, you know, within eligible categories, what this money could be used for. You know, I, I will probably um, work with some of the local orgs here, um, you know, having conversations right now with the Mount Zion Church, uh, Baptist Church Preservation Society, right. but also Tom O'Grady. Tom O'Grady, all. yep, at the correct, at the History Center. But then also, I've been talking with the mayor of Zanesville, Mayor Don Mason. I've been talking with the mayor of Marietta. It's like, how do how can we all bundle something together and, and uh, make a big impact in, within our communities? So, you know, it'd be great to hear ideas from anybody who's listening today or even next month with the next show. Well, it's funny you should mention that because I made a bad mistake here earlier in the show. Someone called in, and I grabbed the phone line, and then I forgot about it. So we <laughs> never brought them on the air, and they've given up waiting. And, and I'm, it could be there's been several people that have done that. Um, folks, I'll try to be more diligent here. So if you do have a question for the mayor, of course, our phone number is 740-592-6646. And I'll try to keep my eyes over on the phones here a little better than I did this morning. Um, highway projects. Oh, yeah. Mercy. Mercy is uh, right. <laughs> we've got a, a lot of things going on here, and um, I think I understand most of the goals. Um, but, um, you know, to get from point A to point Z, uh, there's all these steps in between. And um, uh, so far, um, it seems like people are adapting pretty well. Yeah, the, the the big project going on right now as we speak is the ODOT project. Ohio Department of Transportation is doing the um, some pretty significant corrective actions down at thirty three fifty thirty two um, in the Stimson Avenue interchange yes. or yeah. on ramp, if you will, and off ramp. Um, and if you go to the city's website, the the plans and the phases should be on the city's website. But uh, it's a six-phase construction project that will take place over about 18 months, I believe. Uh, They've already started on the portion of 33 where you used to be able, if you're heading uh, from Albany, basically, to Athens, um, uh, heading in that direction, they've closed down that interchange to where you could continue on 50 to Bell Prix. So that's that has been detoured. You have to use West or uh, East State Street to get there. Uh, but you're going to see more and more. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I keep getting asked is this going to have, is this going to close down Stimson Avenue? And the answer is no. no. Um, you'll always be able to get to Stimson. It just may not be your motor memory way of getting there. 
um, you know, in, at some point during this construction because you will be detoured um, in one fashion. Um, I was just talking to a friend who lives up on Canterbury, mm-hmm. and she, she indicated, she goes, you know, I, I, I've seen that and everything, but she goes, you know, I know the alternative routes to take myself to where I don't have to jump on you know, 33 or 32 or 50, whatever. And I think most of us do. You know, I find myself uh, using East State Street instead of, of yeah, yeah. It, we, we just, we did it with the East State Street project. We did it with the Stimson Avenue project. You know, I encourage people to do it again with this one, but this is going to be 18 months and there will be, again, multiple iterations of the detour process. So, you know, Best thing to do is, uh, like I said, go to the city's website. You'll see the plan and, you know, plan accordingly. Oh, the kind of like a map is there of what it's going to be? I believe so. Oh, cool. Yeah. I haven't been there. I'll take a look. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, let's see here. When I was on city council and president council and all those sort of things, um, we met up on the third floor. And they still do, right? They still do. Council chamber is still there. Council chamber. Debbie Walker is still there. And I brought Debbie on board. Did you, did you really? Yes. Yeah. Debbie is, I believe, our uh, most, how do I phrase it? <laughs> I was going to say most senior. Well, she is. Most L- senior. Longest serving. Longest serving. Uh, city employee. employee. Yes. And she is amazing. You know, the, the the knowledge that she has, you know, anytime I contact her about some city ordinance from way mm-hmm. back when or, you know, wanting just some intel, you know, Debbie, how was X created? Um, she, I'm embarrassed I can't remember um, the clerk that was on duty or assigned to that job beforehand. Um I knew exactly where her house uh, was on Avon. Um, but anyway, um, she decided to step down, and uh, I selected Debbie. And Debbie was uh, working with the city in another capacity at the time. But uh, she's been a terrific thing. Now, um, okay, so where I'm going with this is the city building is well over 100 years old, right? 150 in 2024. So in two years, it'll hit its 150th anniversary uh, of being um, up and running. Right. Now, um, there are some things people don't know about. Like down at the, um, I think it's the wastewater treatment plant, or maybe it's the water treatment plant. There is this statue, right? There is. And somewhere over the years, there's been some myths associated with that statue. Um, do you know? Do you know this story? I, I do. Okay, what I is do. it? Well, I've heard several different versions, and they're each rather different. The, yeah. So let's just go back a little bit further. Um, Hebe is the statue you're referring to. Hebe? Hebe. H-E-B-E. Right, the goddess of youth. Okay. Um, 
the statue, you know, stood on a fountain um, right by the courthouse. So the, uh, the the large paved area by the courthouse, right on the corner of Washington and Court Street, mm-hmm. there was a fountain, and Hebe stood on top of that fountain for decades. And I think it, I've seen photographs. Yeah. Yeah, on this stood up on this pedestal, and the pedestal had fountains or something yeah, yeah. associated with it. Anyway, um, Hebe fell into disrepair uh, because of the elements. Hebe's made out of zinc, and uh, zinc doesn't, you know, over time doesn't do very well against the elements. Yeah, I didn't know that, but that's okay. Yeah, and who, do, so then, do we know who crafted it? I no. So there's still a lot of research to be done, and hopefully we can get uh, Tom O'Grady at the Southeast Ohio History Center to get oh, on that. What's he know? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. He's, just a little of everything. Yeah, um, and uh, so anyway, he fell in disrepair, um, and then was stored somewhere, and then moved around uh, a, a sundry of different storage sites around the city, and. And, you know, her arms fell off and then her head came off and she, she started falling apart. And uh, Well, you know, I guess. Yeah. Real, sometime in the 50s, I believe it was, um, someone found her in a closet, in a, in a cardboard or wooden box, her huh. body parts. Huh. And uh, the water treatment plant operators decided, well, you know, we're going to try and put Hebe together again. And... They, um, it, you know, zinc is one of those alloys that is really difficult to work with if you're trying to, like, solder her back together again or solder the pieces. But they were able to find, interestingly, old uh, a box of old zinc canning lids, um, and they, they were able to melt the, the zinc down and use that to create missing body parts but also to get hebe back together again and so she has stood down at the water treatment plant inside the building behind chain link fence with bob wire on it um um and you can see her if you're driving down um west state street like going to the ball fields right if you look up at the water treatment plant you'll see glass windows and hebe is standing in there yeah so one of the operators back in the in the 80s wrote the entire story behind Hebe being found and put back together and wow. and that Hebe you know be forewarned anyone who were to to disturb or move her um, that you will be cursed um, and so uh, oh well we are looking for you know a shaman to to uh, remove the the, the curse. curse of Hebe and Hebe is going to be relocated up at the city building um, and the reason for that is uh, a couple reasons, but I think the most important is Mary Dials, for anyone who knows Mary. And, of course. And I know you do, Dave. Um, she has contacted me several times, and she's a sweet lady. Oh, my. Um, and she said, I remember Hebe at the corner of Washington and yeah. Court Street yeah. when I was a child. and. And wouldn't it be lovely to see her again? And she started, she got teared up telling uh-huh. me about this. And I said, Mary, you know, I'm sure you're not alone. And so I'll get to work on seeing what we can do. And and I just saw Mary, gosh, uh, it was uh, just before Brew Week. Um, she was with uh, another good friend of ours, um, Bruce Mitchell. Bruce, oh, yeah. They were down at Eclipse. And uh, he'd taken Mary down there for dinner. 
And so I walked up to Mary and I told her, Mary, we're moving her. And again, she started getting teared up and was so appreciative. So anyway, so Hebe's coming up. We got to get the, the, the now, curse off of Hebe. But, okay, uh, now, he, um, so uh, the 150, what is it? 150 years. 150 year anniversary. Right. In 2024. Of City Hall. Yeah. Uh, is coming up in about two years. Yes. So there's an effort to take the, I'm going to call it steeple, but whatever you call it, the bell tower or whatever, uh, and and have the bell reinstalled, right? That's right. So the bell, you know, was always a treat for the third grade classes that would come and visit with the mayor and and get to see the bell and ring the bell because it was always in the, well, it wasn't always in the city building. Um, I moved it from storage, um, our storage facility at 93 Hudson, um, and had our guys build a stand for it. And it, it was in the... Just the main hall. Right in the, yep, right in the entrance, right next to the utility building. Uh, the bell would sit there. and But it was the bell, the, the original bell for the city um, up in the bell tower on city hall so we're going to reinstall that the four clock faces that don't have hands on them because the clock mechanism was removed years and years and years ago now um, there's a guy up in logan who is a specialist at this stuff the clocks robert little yes yeah okay yeah. keep going well so we're going to um you know, the plan is that we're going to redo the, the clock in the clock tower or get new, get a digital clock to go in there, but to put arms back on the four faces and mm -hmm. having it tell time. Um, we're going to have the building re, uh, repointed because uh, we need to continue to preserve the building envelope. And like I said, Hebe is going to be moved up near utility billing so the public can see Hebe. Um, I contend that Hebe is one of those few pieces of original art that we have. In the city, so Hebe will come up, and um, uh, the uh, we're going to do some other things with the city building. Um, but you know, in 2024, we're going to spend some time celebrating the history of that building. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's a cool old building. Well, if you need any help, let me know. Okay. Right. Um. Okay, so for many years, I chaired Arts, Parks, and Rec, and. Um, the last, um, I don't know, eight or ten years, I've not been so involved in that stuff. One of these days, if I retire, I want to become active again in those sort of community projects. Um, but it's, it sure strikes me that um, even in my absence, there's been a lot of positive things happen. And... Um, so boast about it a little bit. <laughs> well, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of change, Dave, when you, when you were president of council and on council. But, uh, no, we've, we, look, every community across the United States, you know, you've got one opportunity, you know, to make an impression when someone comes to visit for the first time and you're either going to really screw it up or you're going to do well. <laughs> And, you know, so my mission has been, you know, we've got to improve our gateways into the city. Um, and even before 
uh, I became mayor, you know, on city council with the Richland Avenue project, you know, South Richland Avenue, which was painful, but at the end of the day, it, it turned out really well. You know, we've got, uh, we made some improvements to East State Street. Well, again, it was painful, but at the end of the day, it worked out pretty well. We have the Richland Avenue pedestrian passageway. Uh, we have the Stimson Avenue roundabout in 1804 way. Um, Stimson, you know, was a 50-year-old roadway that uh, was concrete and had was challenging um, and not ADA friendly in the sidewalks, on the sidewalks in that area. So that's been changed. Um, you know, a lot going on in the, art, the uh, recreation world, for sure, um, uh, with uh, improvements in the parks, uh, expansion of our parklands. You know, we now have removed all the invasives along the riverbank between where Muntine Medical, or actually it's uh, uh, Marietta Memorial and yes. BDT Architecture is down there that used to be Eric Greska's uh, towing company, if you remember back in the day. Gres no, I, I don't Greska. remember that, but that's yeah. all right. Yeah. Um, that, uh, you know, we have 33 acres of land that is owned by OU, but they've given us the right of entry onto that, and we've taken out all the invasives, so we're basically creating um, really uh, nice, usable space along the river. Um, I remember, you know, like all of us, driving along, coming in from Athens on 50 from Belpre, and you look over, and it's just everything looks looked overgrown. And Okay, I got a story there. So, um, oh, what was his name? He lives up on uh, um, Cable Lane. Oh, well. Um, Lavelle? No, 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 no. no. Um, this was a soccer parent back mm. when I was a soccer coach okay. at Athens. Um, I, I thought, you know, we need some soccer practice. And so I went to the, uh, oh, out there by the American Legion Post, um, the, the um, anyway, they control all the river. Oh, I know what you're saying. The, the um, Hawking Conservancy. Thank you. Yeah. And I said, folks, would you let me take a tractor in there and uh, bush hog and... Maybe set up some practice fields for soccer. And like this was behind um, oh, where Walmart is now right. and that sort of area. And um, even the bike path didn't exist back then. Um, and uh, they said yes. <laughs> yeah. And so this um, uh, soccer parent... And I went down there, and we just started working. And I have my old 50-horsepower um, diesel, um, small farm tractor, which I still own, and bush hog. And we cut that all down, measured out fields, uh, even put in some temporary um, or portable uh, bleachers, and then the city did the, the re, um, bike path, and then we had a restroom put in right. down there. That's right. And, you know, that has developed into, I think, a four-field complex now. 
I did two of them. Um, I, you know, you look at a piece of property and you think, couldn't it be also used for this or that? Right. Right. And so you just go to the proper authorities and uh, and keep your fingers crossed that it, they agree with you. Right. Well, you know, speaking of soccer, we've talked about this in the past, and it's always good as a reminder. You know, we were able to negotiate with Ohio University to use part of the driving range off of West State Street um, for soccer because you know, Dave, as well as I do, yeah. that those fields, they're, they, they're great and have been used a lot. Um, now I'm referring to the soccer fields off of East State Street. Um, the challenge becomes, you know, the high water events and the soils and everything down there. So, well, you know, Andy Anderson or Aura Anderson, as most of people knew him, he had a very interesting speech about how the rerouting of the Hocking River was done wrong. Mm-hmm. And he says it is prone to silt filling the way to silt piles the way it's designed. And so, whether that's true or not, um, there have been different times when they've come in and, and started removing the silt build-up piles. Right. And, but I haven't seen that happen in years. And I think it needs to be happening again soon because... Um, when, when those are absent, it does just fine. Yeah. But with the way the curves are, it's naturally going to refill. And that was Aura and Andy Anderson's uh, theory about the, the river design, the rerouting of the uh, hockey. Yeah, it's it it absolutely has challenges associated with it, with what was done back in the 1960s and early 70s with the rerouting. You know, the, the area that is of most concern to me um, and my staff is where the confluence of Coates Run and um, the Hawking River is, you know, right there by Richland Avenue, where we still see flooding uh, mm-hmm. on occasion down there. And a lot of that is because of the silting. Yeah. You know, you, you look at a silt island, you know, right there where Coates Run does empty into the Hawking, there's a substantial sandbar that oh, yeah. now has <laughs> has shrubs growing on it. There's grass growing on it. Um, and it, it's kind of like it has created almost like a bathtub. Mm-hmm. Um, and it slows down the effluent from Coates Run into the Hawking River. You know, the other thing that is of concern is the once you get east of the city, you're heading towards Belpre. You know that whole area is is natural, um, and but it's receiving a lot of silt from what was done in the '60s and '70s and yeah. going on today. Yeah. Um, and you know it continues to pose. Yeah, but it's outside problems. the city. We don't worry about. Well, I'm not. <laughs> that was a joke. <laughs> well, it just okay. creates a huge bathtub yeah. right here in the city, and that being the Hawking River. So it's yeah, it's got challenges for sure. But we gotta get that silt under control, and it's been we years do. since they did. You know, last did it. They do have a tractor or a, a backhoe that's down near the Pepsi distributor, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I know they get in there and they'll dredge. Um, but what I understand is they cannot dredge below the water line, um, and so they they have to wait for you know 
the river to really go down mm. and spend some time pulling the sand, the silt out. But uh, I know they do still work on it, but I think that they need to do, well, I don't know what they need to do. we got about five minutes left. I, I, I don't want to end on a negative note, but uh, in terms of my little notes here, I jotted down about things to bring up. What has been the most frustrating thing you've had to deal with as mayor of the city of Athens? Mm. You know, I, I'm not going to say frustrating. Well, um, what would, would you challenging. like to change? Challenging. You know, and I think okay. w- one of the bigger recent challenges is um, uh, the location, well, is where we're going to place the fire station headquarters. Oh, yeah. You know, still working on that. Yep. Um, you know, there's a sundry of other frustrations, you know, that, that, uh, or challenges that, that come up. Um, you know, I know way back when, um, the, during my tenure, the, you know, rebuilding of East State Street was challenging. Stimson Avenue was certainly challenging. Um, but, you know, (laughs) the way I look at things is having been a research health psychology professor for for more than 20 years um, with if you count my postdoctoral fellowships and the research that I was doing you know um, and my tenure with the US Air Force and the Air National Guard you know I think that I just look at everything as they're all solvable challenges you know so yeah I'm not gonna say that any one thing is frustrating or extremely challenging the probably the most challenging thing now that i reflect on a little bit further was making sure we can safely get through the pandemic you know there's and we're still dealing (laughs) we still are dealing with it you know this newest variant um they're saying is being non-responsive to to uh the um vaccines in some cases or yeah, it, and this is going to be our world moving forward. Um, just needing to be careful, um, but that that was a real challenge. Making sure that our businesses would reopen after everything was shut down, and you know how do we continue to have a, a strong, safe relationship um, with the university and the city, with the student body coming back, and you know everyone wanted to throw the students under the bus when it came to the pandemic, and you know at the end of the day. Um, you know, it really boils down to getting the vaccination, uh, you know, getting your boosters if you're able to get your booster and and being mindful that, you know, we got to we still have to be cognizant. This virus is still out there. So three, three minutes remaining. I want to go the other direction. Let's go in the other direction. The most satisfying. And maybe you want to change that word, too. <laughs> um, you know, thing is, the mayor of the city of Athens. I'll, I'll tell you. Um, public service. You know, I, I really enjoy serving the citizens of Athens. I do. I love being a public servant. Um, the other thing I really enjoy doing, Dave, is I love making sure that as I'm going to, to conferences, I'm going to uh, Atlanta this this coming week right. for the National League of Cities Boards and Leadership meeting. And it's constantly promoting the city of Athens, you know, telling people you've got to come and see the city of Athens because of some of the amazing things that we have going on, things that we've accomplished, um, you know, just 
kind of being a spokesperson to for the city of Athens to get people to experience us. Um, and uh, yeah, Dave, I know I need to go see Yellow Springs so I can get that off my bucket list and experience well, them too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Antioch, I'm sorry, I don't. We're not poking at you. No, not at all. Um, but um, Scott's is, over here cracking up. It's a fun, you guys are good. fun place. That was good. Well, um, is there some dream you've never told anybody about? <laughs> you know? Dream? Um, I no. I will say this: I do enjoy dreams when I fly, uh, <laughs> flying in my my sleep but uh i haven't had those in a long time um okay. i the dreams i find myself having of late is that i i'm going to a conference or i'm going somewhere else and i you, open up my suitcase and there's no suit in there and i'm uh -oh. going oh no yeah well that's a that's not a dream no, that's it's a, a stress dream yeah um so have you ever flown have you been a pilot no no oh. no i do I'm a helicopter pilot. Are you really? Yeah. I didn't know that about you. No, I I no longer have a license. Oh. But I did. And um, I've been thinking about how I might go about renewing that. Do that, Dave. That way it makes it so much quicker for me to get up to Solon, Ohio for a <laughs> <laughs> Well, there was a day I wanted to buy Fritz Wheaton's house down at the mouth of the hockey, where it turns into the Ohio. Right. Of course, I didn't have the money for it, but if it, it was a dream. In our 72nd year of serving we'll Southeast Ohio, tomorrow. AM 970 and 97.1 FM. W-A-T-H, This is CBS News on the Hour, presented by Indeed.com. I'm Deborah Rodriguez. We begin with breaking news out of Massachusetts, where passengers escaped a burning commuter train by jumping from a window. This man was aboard the MBTA Orange Line just north of Cambridge in Somerville. They actually broke the window open with their bags, and we actually jumped out onto the, uh, the rocks near the tracks below. The train was crossing a bridge over the Mystic River. There are reports one passenger jumped from the bridge into the water. So far, no word on injuries. The MBTA says the T-train had a mechanical problem. A court hearing is underway in Minnesota for one of four former police officers convicted of violating George Floyd's civil rights. Thomas Lane was found guilty of depriving Floyd of medical care as he was pinned under Derek Chauvin's knee for almost 10 minutes. WCCO-TV's Pauline Lee has details from St. Paul. Federal prosecutors are going to be asking for the maximum six and a half years behind bars. That's actually well below the 21 years that Derek Chauvin received earlier this month for the same violation. But